Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. You can go ahead and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We'll be there momentarily after a little bit of an introduction. The next couple weeks, we're going to enter into a sort of mini-series. It sounds like a TV show. Uh, a three-week mini-series uh, that I've entitled Let's, Let's Go. I, I know that our young people down here, let's go is a phrase that means any number of things. But I mean it in its most literal sense, let's go. We have a mission to do, we have a job to do, we have a calling to fulfill. Let's go. And as we go through this series, building up and reaching out in 2023, I just wanted to start our church year off together facing some challenges talking about some things that we as a body of Christ need to work on together. And I'm throwing myself in there too. You know, as I prepare these sermons and, and I go through the scriptures and the points and I make the application, there's many times I have to pause and remember that I'm not where I need to be in many cases. And the Holy Spirit works on me through the text and through the preparation before hopefully I come in here and try to, by the Spirit's help, preach to you as he works on us together. These are some areas that we need to, I think, address as a church, things we need to work on as a church. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to go over three aspects. One is relationships, one is outreach, and the third is going to be prayer. So as we begin this series today, we're going to talk about who we are as a church, God's call, God's commission, as we get ready to serve him in this coming year. And we're going to address this topic of relationships. Now, typically, I have the online notes for you on version. I did not do those today, and I won't do those for the next two weeks. I want us to kind of have a little fireside chat together as we go through this more applicational series together. My question as we begin today is, who are your people? Who are your people? And when I ask that question, who immediately comes to your mind? The faces, the names, perhaps the places is it your family, friends, maybe your coworkers? When I ask, who are your people? Who are your people? What relationships come to mind? What connections in your life with other people come to mind first? And as a secondary follow-up question to that, who are God's people? Do we have an answer for that? Who are God's people? God's people, if he has a people, seems like it would be a good thing if his people were our people, right? That's a good thing to want. When I say, who are your people? Maybe God's people should be my people. And God does have a people. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sinners from every language, every nation, every time, every age, every walk of life, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, baptized into his name, filled with the Holy Spirit, on mission for Jesus, the same mission for all the church, go into all the nations and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. 
And we're all united as the universal body of Christ under this one banner, as Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. This is the bride of Christ, purchased with the blood of Christ. And so I ask the question again, shouldn't that people be your people? On a local level, right here at First Baptist Church Dumas, look around. Shouldn't these people be your people? I've been here a little over two years now, November of 2020 when I came. And I've been through two now full church years, cycles, seasons, the way we do things, VBS, mission trips, summers, school starting, school ending, the rhythms, the ways that we do things. And what I've come to love about our church is that we're a wonderful, vibrant, healthy, loving, supportive church. I cannot speak highly enough to anyone I talk to about the level of love and support and encouragement and unity that we experience here as a church. That's a blessing. I don't know how many church you've, churches you've been involved in, but it's a blessing to have a church that is encouraging and supportive and unified. And as much as you think that should define a local church, it often does not. But from our deacons to our wonderful staff to our godly pastors we have been given a great gift of support and encouragement and unity and love. But there are some areas that we can work on together. Areas where we, including myself, with the Spirit's help, need to give attention. Now, having been through our cycles and our seasons and our rhythms and seeing what we're all about as a church and getting to know you and you're getting to know me, we need to give attention to this area of connection. And the first two weeks we're going to spend in this are kind of two facets of that. If you could see connection as the overarching theme, these first two weeks we're going to spend talking about relationships within the church, and the next week, outreach without the church. And this is not a unique challenge to an older, established, historical, more traditional than not church. This is a regular challenge for these churches. Why? Because older established churches have seen people come and go. You've seen challenges come and go. There have been times where there have been battles and the wagons have been circled and programs have been established and you've gotten a system or a way or a rhythm or a tradition. But sometimes in our older established traditional churches, before you know it, you can look around and it's just us. You can look around and see people missing in pews next to you. People in Sunday school, Sunday school classes that are empty, Sunday school and nursery classes that are unused, parts of the building that are unused. And you say, maybe, where is everybody? Maybe for many of you who have been here for a very long time, your mind goes back to the 70s and the 80s and this immense time of growth in our church when this very building was built and opened in 1985 when the place was filled from the balcony to the bottom. The Sunday school classes were full. And you look back at those days and you say, well, man, what happened to those days? Where is everybody? And maybe if we get caught up in that mindset, it becomes harder for us to look around now and see what God is doing now. And see the people that he is sending now. And the growth that he is giving now. 
Perhaps we get so caught up in the just us mentality that we're more missing what was rather than praying for what God is doing now and praying for God to do something new in the year ahead. And so in these first two weeks, relationships and outreach, I want to cover those topics. And then in the third topic, the third week of this series, a foundational level, the need for us to pray together, to build an awareness of each other, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to build connections of love with each other, Moving beyond ourselves and our families and our circle of friends and our small group and our Sunday school class and even the walls of our local church and praying for each other. Building ourselves up in prayer as we grow in the Spirit. We've been through enough stuff together now, I think, that you know me a little bit. I know you. You know my preaching style. You may or may not like it, but that's all right. I know you. I'm aware of our small groups and our Sunday school classes and your names and your faces. We all know each other now. And so the question for me as I started this series was, what would I want to say to us at the beginning of a new year? More importantly, what do I believe that God is saying to us by his word through the Lord Jesus? What is he saying to us? And I think that he would say to us after a period of transition, after your period with a wonderful interim like Jeff Messer, And about two years of a good kind of transition time with me, what would he say to me? What would he say to us as a church? And I think he would say that. Get to it. Let's go. You've been studying. You've been prepping. You've been transitioning. And now it's time to go and do the work you've been called to do. There's work to do. There's areas of growth. There's souls to reach. So let's shake off the dust. Let's shake off maybe a little bit of apathy. Maybe a little bit of laziness. Let's get up, seek God's face, address these areas, and let's get moving for the Great Commission. And so as we begin this series, we're going to address this issue within our church body first. And that is the issue of relationships. And I want to do that by looking to the scripture, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When I first came here, I preached another short three or four week series called Devoted. And the very first opening series of sermons to you as your pastor was from this very text. And it covered those areas, the the apostles teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayer. And so if we want to kind of see this beginning time with me as your pastor and you as my church family as a sort of. A transition period. That is the first bookend, and then this series will be the second bookend. We move on from here together. We're going to finish this area up where we started it, looking at how we can be more devoted to God and to each other. And the question I asked you then was, what does the Spirit-filled church look like? And you can ask any number of pastors or denominations, and you say, are you a Spirit-filled Christian? And I might mean one thing, and you might mean another. 
And some churches, you say, are you a spirit-filled church? And they would say, yes, we speak in tongues and we prophesy and we're very ecstatic and emotional in our services. And I would ask us, from the, even from the book of Acts where we get those things, what does the spirit-filled church look like here? Because these people have been freshly converted, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Spirit, converted. 3,000 people converted on this day. And what do we see them begin to do immediately except devote themselves, yes, to God, to the work of the Spirit, to the work of the Great Commission, but they devoted themselves to each other. Now, I think we have a very good, solid foundation in that first area they devoted themselves to, the apostles' teaching. My first sermon here, I think, was on apostolic teaching, the tradition of the gospel, the historic Christian message of the gospel from the scriptures, laying our foundation there, preaching from the word. Hopefully, that's what you think I do each and every week, and hopefully, that's what I do every week, is teach the word of God from the Bible. It's what you get in your Sunday school classes. Hopefully, it's what you're getting in your small groups and other Bible studies. We have a good foundation there. So the question is for them, for us, where do we go from here? Once we devoted ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the gospel, to the Bible, got it, been there, done that, where do we go on that foundation? Well, the overflow of that vertical relationship is this horizontal relationship. That as they were filled with the Spirit, and as they devoted themselves to God's Word, it overflowed in a devotion not just to God, but to God's people, the church. And that's why we center here on relationships. And there's a few things I want to point us to this morning about relationships here amongst our body, our family, First Baptist Church Dumas. The first thing I want to remind you of this morning is that relationships... Devoting ourselves to each other requires sacrifice. Relationships require sacrifice. Any relationship with another human being requires sacrifice. You can think that from your marriages to even your friendships, your children, at work, at school. If you want to have a good relationship with someone else, it will demand and require sacrifice from you. And it's no different when we come into this family together. But there seems to be among many Christians, and maybe within even our church, this dismissive notion to the body of Christ. These relationships seem to take a back seat sometimes to everything else. I've said it before, anything and everything else seems to be an excuse to miss this, whereas this should be the excuse whereby we miss everything else. Other relationships in our lives we deem necessary. We value our marriages. We value our relationship with our children. Hopefully you value your job, your schoolwork. We value those relationships. We put them first, and they should be priorities in our lives. But here, these people, these relationships, sometimes we neglect them. We discount them. And we view it as maybe even unnecessary. How backwards all that is. Maybe it is that those other relationships, our family, our kids, school, work, whatever it is. Maybe it is that those relationships require sacrifice. Rightly so. 
We ought to sacrifice for our families. Wives submitting to their husbands, husbands loving their wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Children loving their parents, parents loving their children, being responsible employees and employers and students and teachers. All those relationships require a bunch of sacrifice. So why is it when we come into the body of Christ, the family of God, the bride of Christ, the church, that we begin to cut corners? And maybe it's mental, maybe it's an emotional thing that we try to cut and separate ourselves from what's going on here. And so church, this, the people, just kind of become an additive to our lives. This becomes something we sprinkle on if there's time, if there's energy, if there's resources, sprinkle church in there. Maybe you feel a little discouraged Maybe you feel a little out of sorts and you say, man, I need to go back to church. You come to church a few weeks and then back to neglecting it. But more than just coming to church, building relationships with the church, which is the people. And perhaps you find yourself saying sometimes, I don't need to get too invested here. I don't need to get too close to anyone there. I'm stretched so thin everywhere else, I just can't devote myself anymore, especially to that. Jesus is fine. I love Jesus. I love God. The Bible is fine. But you know what? One service is good enough. That's all I need. The hour to an hour and a half every Sunday morning, that's fine. Not much else. But have you ever really stopped to think about what this is? Have you ever really stopped to think about who this is? The person next to you, the section next to you, this whole room gathered together. And if we really thought about what this is and who this is, wouldn't that change what we were willing to give to each other? Would that have some effect on your life if we really put things in the order that Jesus intends for them to be? Yes, I know our schedules are tight. Our resources are stretched, and everything in your lives, I understand everything in your lives is demanding from you and pulling from you, wanting more from you. You have enough on your plate with your stuff, your people, your family, your jobs, your events. Here's all I'm saying to us this morning. Jesus is asking us to reevaluate that stuff and to sacrifice Jesus is asking us to give more of ourselves to him and to each other in sacrifice. I always find it interesting when people are tired. And I understand everyone gets tired. I get tired. We get tired. Everyone has busy lives. Everyone has busy weekends. Sometimes we have jam-packed Saturdays. But it has never made sense to me to say I'm so tired and I'm so worn out and I'm so busy and I'm so stretched. You know what the one thing I need to sacrifice this week is? Church. I mean, what kind of sense does that make when your spirit is empty, your heart is empty, your body is tired, your mind is tired? To say, I don't need to go to the one thing that I really need to go to. It's like saying, man, I'm so thirsty. You know what I don't need? Water. Man, I'm so hungry. 
I'm starving, but you know what I don't need? I don't need food. I can't breathe. I can't even catch my breath. You know what I don't need? Oxygen. I'm so tired. I'm so worn out. I've given all I can give this week. Why not just skip church? Why not just sacrifice it on the altar of my life, my time, my backwards priorities, my kids' priorities, my kids' schedule, and just say, I don't need that. Really think about it this morning. That does not make any sense. Two areas that we can sacrifice in to build relationships with each other. Number one, we can sacrifice time. Building meaningful relationships requires time. We know this from every other relationship in our life. Every other thing we do in our life. Your busy schedules, your stretched schedules and minds know this. Everything about us requires time. But are you sacrificing time to build relationships here? Again, it is no excuse to say our schedule is tight, there's too much to do. Erase all that from our thinking and remember, this should be the priority. These people should be the priority. I think sometimes when we preach like this and have these kind of sermons, you might think I'm saying that First Baptist Church Dumas as an organization is the priority. That me and Pastor Zane and Pastor Matt should be your priority. That giving into our offering plates should be your priority. I'm not asking that. What I'm saying is that this church, as in this assembly, this congregation of people, should be your priority. And what flows from that, except faithful attendance, plugging in to learn together, plugging in to give together, to listen, to submit to godly leadership, all that stuff flows from that priority. But it's going to require a sacrifice of your time. It will require a sacrifice of your resources. Building meaningful relationships requires giving. And again, I'm not immediately talking about what you put in the offering plate. Minds go immediately to money. We go immediately to material goods or services or something. Hear what I'm asking you about sacrificing your resources. What about your homes? What about food that you can cook or prepare? What about something as simple as gas as you drive? Something as simple as effort. Here's a few diagnostic questions for all of us. And again, I put myself under this microscope this week. When did you last have another family or another couple or another person from the church in your home? When's the last time you did that? When have you last been in another family's home? And hear this, because I know you're, all, you're all, some of you are already making excuses for yourselves. I'm not talking about small groups. I'm not talking about a time on the, the weekday calendar where we do this and we go here and that's what we do when we check the box. I'm talking about just a random time when you've been in someone's home or you've had someone in your home. When is the last time you gave yourself in some other way for another? And the follow-up question is this, do you not find it odd 
to claim to love God, to claim to love Christ, and yet think an hour or so on Sunday morning is good enough. Would you say that about your spouse? An hour is fine. See you next week. Jessica might want to say that to me sometimes. Thank you so much. An hour is good. We'll see you, see you later. She has said that to me before. Uh, <laughs> what about your children? Would that be enough? Your friends? Certainly not your jobs. That'd be a sweet job, wouldn't it? Put an hour on Sunday morning. See you next week. What does this reveal about our love for God and our love for Jesus when we say, love God, love Jesus? Those people, not so much. These kind of relationships will require you giving your time and resources. I just wanted to make this clear up front that this is not going to be easy. This is not going to come naturally. This is not going to be something that's going to just simply fit inside your schedule right now. It will require sacrifice, time, and resources. This will require you giving yourself. Listen, this will require you letting go of some of your pride. Keeping things to yourself. Letting yourself get close to other people. This will require you letting go of some of your stuff. From the money that we ask, that we all give on Sunday mornings, or whenever you give throughout the week. Giving ended great in December, by the way. I don't know if you saw your bulletin. We ended the year wonderfully in our giving. I encourage you to remain faithful in that kind of giving. But I also want to bring up some other things. What about your house? Giving up that pride that some of us have in our homes and our families. We don't want other people to see, maybe, that we're just normal people too. With kids and a mess and junk everywhere. Maybe it will mean laying aside some of that stuff to let people in. These kind of relationships will require sacrifice. Sacrifice is hard, but it is demanded. Those first disciples, freshly filled with the Holy Spirit... They had heard the word, they believed the word, they were baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, 3,000 of them on top of the 120 that were already there. Immediately they began to look around, they saw others, thousands, and they did not see them as burdens. They did not dismiss them, they did not ignore them, they didn't just go back to their lives as usual. They looked around after being changed by God's power through the gospel, and they devoted themselves to each other. And it overflowed in giving, and it overflowed in sacrifice, and it overflowed in sharing. And so the question for us this morning is, do you see that this was evidence of the Spirit's work? Immediately following the day of Pentecost and these people were converted, immediately this was evidence of the Holy Spirit being in their lives. And maybe a more challenging question for some of us today is, what would we say if that evidence was missing? What would we say if there was no devotion to other believers? There was no sacrifice of time or resources or love or giving to other people in the body of Christ. 
What would we say about that lack of evidence? Wouldn't it also reveal a lack of the Holy Spirit? Do you see this kind of evidence in the Spirit's work at First Baptist Dumas? Some challenging applicational questions. How can you, with the Spirit's help, devote yourself more to God? And first and foremost, we've got to get the vertical relationship right with God. Second question on top of that is how can you, with the Spirit's help, devote yourselves more to each other? And as you ask that question of yourself this morning, ask yourself also, what will be required of me to do this? As I devote myself more to God and more to these people, what would be required of me to do that better? And are you willing to sacrifice what it will take to see that happen? Relationships require sacrifice. Secondly, relationships require patience. The hardest thing about building relationships, and maybe this is where some of you are this morning, isn't the time or the sacrifice or the resources. Perhaps one of the hardest things about building relationships with you is that it requires being around other people. And sometimes people stink. Sometimes we all stink. We're bad We're rude, we're hurtful, we use each other, we abuse each other. And listen, I'm not advising anyone to let yourself or your family be run over by someone. But if we can begin to think about other people's sins and other people's junk and what gets on our nerves about each other, and then remember what God has done for you in Christ. Remember, you weren't so lovely yourself. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God didn't wait for you to become lovely to send Christ to die for you. He shows his love in that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. As we read this morning, uh, from, uh, sorry, I'll do Ephesians 4.32 first. In Ephesians 4.32, Paul tells us to be kind, be tenderhearted, forgiving each other. And then Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, what Brother Zane read earlier, bear with each other bear with each other. That implies by the very command that there's going to have to be some bearing to do. Again, this is not going to be easy because I'm a stinky person and you're a stinky person. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. I can be wicked, you can be wicked. And so this isn't going to be easy. Just like the sacrifice, this is going to require time and love and patience and effort But if we remember what God has done for us in Christ, because that's where Paul bases all of this on, bear with one another, love each other, forgive each other. Why? Because God has forgiven you. And if he has forgiven you for your infinite offense against him, we ought to be able to deal with each other when little things get on our nerves about each other. So what is there in your heart keeping you from others in this room? What is it in your heart that says, I'm not going to go to Sunday school today because that's a small group and I'm nervous and those people get on my nerves? What is it about your heart and your spirit that harbors unforgiveness or bitterness or anger or cynicism Or selfishness. 
And after you answer that, you see what it will take to lay at Jesus' feet to make this happen. It will not be easy because people are not easy. But this command stands for us regardless of whether you like someone or not. Bear with each other, love each other, forgive each other. This will require patience. Thirdly and lastly, relationships require compassion. Paul tells us as he closes his letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verse 15, that we as the body of Christ are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who are weeping. Compassion goes beyond just empathy or even sympathy where you just feel for someone. Or maybe you have experienced what they are going through and you feel for them in that way. Compassion is moving from feeling to acting. And if we sacrifice for each other and we're growing in patience for each other, and yet somehow along the way we fail to love each other, And you say, well, how can you do that? How can you sacrifice for someone and be patient with them and not love them? Oh, you can. Because it's easy for some of us to make these things and these applications a little to-do list that you can just check off. I had someone in my house this week. I I had lunch with someone. I I gave someone this. I drove someone here. I'm talking to this person. You check, 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 check. But your heart is not in it. It becomes a duty. It becomes an obligation. You become a little legalist, checking the things off the list without love. What would you think of someone who would give you anything because they're just a nice person? They're, they're not easily offended with you. They're generally easy to get along with. They just don't want to really get wrapped up in your stuff. They don't really want to get too involved with you so as to know your ups and your downs and to truly love you in that way. What would you say about someone who would give you anything, who's pretty patient, who's pretty easy to get along with, they just don't really love you? Would you care much for their stuff if they didn't just simply cry with you? Would you care much for their attention if they didn't rejoice when you were rejoicing? The Bible's command is not just to give to and bear with one another, but to genuinely love and to feel for one another in our pain, in our sorrow, in our joy, and happiness. This means rejoicing When someone in the church gets a promotion and you're sick of your job. It means rejoicing when someone else in the church is expecting and you and your wife and your spouse are praying over infertility. It means rejoicing when someone else's student succeeds and goes on to fulfill some sort of successful life and your child is one that you have to pray and labor over. It means rejoicing in those things for each other. Listen, it means, though, the opposite, weeping with someone who just lost a loved one or a child or spouse. It means weeping with those who are struggling with infertility. 
or other issues in their family and their marriage and their lives where you might be succeeding. It's easy for us to compartmentalize that stuff, isn't it? To compartmentalize people. To relegate them to their time, their place, Sunday morning, 10.30 to noon, and we're done till next week. That's their stuff, that's their family, that's their problems, I got my own. We don't need to bog ourselves down with other people's stuff. We have our own stuff to deal with after all. Just keep the church people at church. But the Bible demands more from us. These are not just church people. These are your mothers. These are your fathers. These are your brothers. These are your sisters. It's so interesting in the Gospels, I can't remember the reference when someone comes and tells Jesus his mother's looking for him. He says, who is my mother? Who is my family except those who do the will of my father? He wasn't meaning to dismiss his relationship with Mary, his mother, but his point was, this relationship amongst believers in Christ is deeper and truer and more eternal than any other relationship. These are not just church people. These are your family. We dare not relegate our family and box them away. We dare not dismiss family. We are in this together, and so we do this together, all of it. The good times, the bad times, the really bad times, the inconvenient times, the busy times, the stretched times. God has called us together for this time. And he calls us to enter into one another's lives because we share life. Do you share life like this with your church family? Are these people your people, your family? You know, at the end of the day, all of this is really just shorthand for the gospel. This is the gospel made visible. That as we sacrifice for each other, we cut away and put away lesser things for better things. We prioritize God's people, the greatest thing, because it came at the greatest cost, the blood of Jesus. And as we cut away and put away and sacrifice, all we need to stop and ask is, what did Jesus sacrifice for us? And is there too much that I am asked to sacrifice for us? With patience, God is simply asking of people, asking of us what he has shown us in Jesus. That as we bear with one another in love and forgive and show gentleness and mercy, knowing people will mess up, knowing people will hurt us, knowing that people will take advantage of us, but instead of closing up and closing off and shutting down, we open ourselves more to love God's people. Isn't that what it means to be like Jesus who loved us when we were still sinners? When you begin to think that this relationship stuff is just too hard or that I'm asking too much of you because people are bad and you're bad and this is all very awkward, remember that God loved you anyway and he paid a high cost to make you his own. But he also paid a high cost for the person next to you.
and the person across the room from you, and the person in the other Sunday school class, and the person with whom you might have a small theological or political or any other kind of disagreement. And God asks us to show compassion, the essence of the gospel, what God has done for us in Christ. He didn't just see us in our brokenness and our sin and our mess and say, oh man, my heart breaks for them. I feel so bad for them. Oh well. But he in Christ stepped into our mess, into our junk, into our fallen world, becoming a man, becoming a servant to know our pain and to know our suffering and to take our sins in himself and die for them. These are not just well wishes. This is not just saying be warmed and filled, but this is God with great patience and love sacrificing himself for us, coming down for us, sharing with us, bearing our sins, raising us up, all for the sake of this, that he might have a people and a body and a bride. And after we see what God has done for us and what God has done for his people, our rightful question today should be, are God's people my people? How can you, with the Spirit's help, begin to start building and cultivating meaningful gospel relationships with God's people? It will not be easy It requires sacrifice, patience, and compassion. But may our prayer today be that God's spirit that is with us and in us, as he brings us closer to him, would also bring us closer to each other. I think I know the answer to this question. I hope we can all answer it the same way. Do you want to see our church grow? In health, spirituality, discipleship, relationships, numbers. Do you want to see that kind of growth in our church? It will start here with us. And it will start with this. Building meaningful relationships with each other. In a moment I'm going to pray and Brother Zane is going to come as we come to the Lord's table together. And we're oftentimes, I think, tempted to see the gospel and maybe even to see the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table in this, this purely vertical direction. That, that this is just some individual thing between me and God. And it's only about what Jesus has done for us and that's it. This is about me and Jesus and the table and the bread and the juice. But you know, there's a reason that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, when you come together... When you come together to do this, this isn't just some individual celebration for you in your homes or in your backyard somewhere. This is when you come together, that we remember Jesus together. That just like there's one bread, there is one body. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one table. And we all come here to this table together. There is a horizontal aspect here that is supernatural because it is made possible by the blood of Jesus that, listen, that makes us in this room, related or unrelated, closer to each other than your nearest unbelieving relative. We are bound together by the Spirit in this place, in this time, at this table with our Lord. And so my 
challenge for you today is that as you take the Lord's Supper and as we come together to the table, that you would think about the things that we've talked about today and begin to ask yourself, how can I take what God has done for me in Christ that this points me to? And how can I see that overflow in my life for everyone else in the body of Christ? Our God and our Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus, who through it with his blood made those of us who are many into one body, one bride, one church, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. God, we ask today that as we come to the table of the Lord, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. That you would challenge us with the things that we've heard today. That we'd be convicted, but that we would move forward by your Spirit with joy to obey you and to follow you in all things. Give us patience. Give us compassion. Give us grace as we sacrifice for each other because you've given so much to us. We thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.